This is Gay Bro Shit, a podcast about deconstructing gay fitness culture, body image, and how it intersects with gender and mental health. So let's start things off with just a quick bio about myself. You're probably wondering, who the fuck is this queen? Uh, My name is Dan. I live in Portland, Oregon, where I grew up. I am in my late 30s. Uh, I spent about a decade as a fitness trainer, um, working with clients one-on-one in a group setting, and then also doing sort of sports-specific coaching. I've had a handful of certifications over the years. Uh, I do have a good amount of experience working in fitness, coaching people, and have a really strong knowledge base to draw from in that regard. I've also played rugby for 18 years, um, and eight of those most recently I've spent as a coach. I mentioned I grew up in Portland. The truth is I grew up on a farm outside of Portland in the town of Boring, Oregon, which is a real place. And it was a Christmas tree farm, but we had other stuff going on there. Chickens. Uh, we didn't have any like horses or anything. Uh, It wasn't like farming wasn't our primary source of income. It was something we kind of did as a hobby because it was Christmas tree farm. I've chopped down a lot of trees in my life and I would like to think that gives me some butch credibility being an IRL lumberjack, uh, although not necessarily professionally. After growing up on a farm, I moved to New York City, where I lived for six years. That's where I did my undergraduate degree, which was in playwriting, of course. And uh, I spent sort of the next six years living in Boston. I worked with the theater troupe there. Um, that's where I started training and also like where I really got into playing rugby and Sort of interspersed with that, I spent four summers living in Provincetown, Massachusetts, which is sort of, if not the most, certainly one of the most prominent gay vacation destinations in the world. I also spent one summer on Fire Island when I was 20 um, in a similar vein. So I have a lot of sort of experience being around gay slash queer culture because of that life experience. I also did a master's degree in London. I have a master's in business administration. And so I lived in London for a little bit over a year. And so I have experience living abroad as well. um, And certainly experiences with queer culture abroad, or at least in Europe specifically. I currently have two pit bulls and I've been told I look like them. And I think that's kind of flattering, really, although a little confusing as well. But I guess I'm on the shorter side, and I look kind of overly developed for my height. Um, As I mentioned, I was a theater kid, uh, and more interestingly, I guess, is that for pretty much the same amount of time that I've been playing rugby, 18 years, I've been doing drag on and off. 
I've had a few different personas over the years, and right now it's not something I'm currently doing, uh, which is not to say that I'm never going to do it again, although right now I don't really necessarily have the desire to do so. But what I'm sort of learning as I get older is that it's really important to embrace the cyclical nature of life and sort of allow things to come and go as you need them to come and go and to enjoy them when you're doing them. And if you're not enjoying them, you can stop doing them. And certainly I feel that way about fitness in general as well. And a lot of that will come into this podcast as I record it. So as I'm sort of talking to you right now into a microphone, just in a room in my house, nobody's here except one of my dogs. Uh, I'm feeling definitely very self-conscious about the fact that I'm going to have to listen to myself speaking a lot. This is the first time I've ever recorded a podcast. I've recorded uh, vocal vocals from myself, but never like talking into a microphone to this extent. And I'm going to have to edit this and listen to myself over and over and over again. And I'm really conscious of the fact that I don't think I'm going to sound butch enough which is kind of ridiculous, right? Um, and so I just kind of need to get over that and also accept, you know, that I am a faggot and I talk like one sometimes. And what I think is really interesting over, you know, I've been involved in gay culture, queer culture for like 25 years now. And I think it's really nice with, drag race and shows like pose and like the ballroom scene uh and you know makeup content on the internet we're really starting to see a lot more positive depictions of feminine gay men and also trans and non-binary folks so i think as a society or a culture although i don't think gay or queer culture is a monolith i don't think there's like a specific culture there's just elements of culture there that tie us together. We're starting to let go of that need to be masculine presenting. And there's still a lot of comfort in that masculine presentation to the point where that's one of the reasons why I don't necessarily want to do drag anymore, because I feel very comfortable and safe in my male presence. Uh, and I realize like that is that is a place of privilege, right? So I have to say up front as I'm recording this, like one thing that I'm going to do and going to continue to do is have like a zero tolerance policy for any sort of anti-trans rhetoric, any sort of gender critical thinking. Um, we as cis gay men have this enormous privilege of being quote-unquote respectable, or in a lot of spaces we are, at least mainstream, and we can also hide our queerness if we have to. Um, and a lot of people don't have that luxury, and those people are really under attack right now. And so we need to be standing up for them. So I just want to make sure that that's clear, even though this is a podcast that is definitely from a cis male perspective. It's going to be talking a lot of cis male issues. Um, I am a cis male. A lot of my guests probably will be that even though we are sort of the predominant form of gay culture in terms of like the most prominent, 
the most resource having. I don't know if that's a word, but you know, we are we are the most privileged. We are the wealthiest. Um, and so we have a duty to use that to help others. This is sort of meant to be an introduction of what the show is trying to do and what I'm not trying to do. The aim of the show is to provide interesting, well-researched perspectives, both from myself and others. Uh, because it's going to be fairly research-intensive, that's a little bit of a limiting factor as to how quickly I can produce content. Um, because I don't just want to get on here and just say whatever. You know, I'm not looking to be Joe Rogan or whoever just kind of says stuff with no care for whether or not it's true or credible. Um, I feel a sense of trying to represent an objective version of the truth that will be helpful to people. So I should be aiming to have an episode up about every two weeks. But as you're listening to this, I should also have the first four or five episodes up already. So that should allow you to keep listening, see if you like what I'm doing, and stick with it or don't, you know? Another thing I'm going to sort of do is break down health news and headlines and sort of look into the actual studies behind them and just see if the studies are actually saying that lifestyle changes might be a good idea. Um, in the news cycle, headlines about sort of health or fitness or body fat or diet are very attention-grabbing. People click on them. But when you start to look into it, a lot of the research is kind of flimsy or small sample size. A lot of various issues that mean that we shouldn't be just like looking at the news and changing the way we live our life because of that. So that's probably going to be a recurring feature. Um, and it's a lot of episodes are just going to be me talking, you know, about lived experience, about my opinions, my knowledge base. But as I continue, um, one of the main things I'm going to be doing is sort of talking with other queer people with subject matter experience. Um, and not necessarily expertise, because I think that's quite a different thing, because lived experience is its own form of expertise, but not necessarily expertise in the sense of like having a PhD in the subject or being a practitioner in the subject. So I can talk about fitness from perspective of having been a practitioner for 10 years, but, you know, that doesn't mean that all of my guests will have that sort of like a qualification, but I do think they'll all have interesting things to say or I wouldn't have them. Great. So talked about what we're going to do. Now I'm going to just briefly talk about some things that I am not going to do on this podcast. So right off the bat, I am not going to demonize fatness. I'm not going to give any sort of value judgments on bodies or the way that they look. It is not my job to define what is healthy and what is not. And it's not my job to define what is good and what is not. I'm a big advocate for practicing neutrality towards our bodies and the way that they look. And there's going to be a lot of reiteration of that and also some practical tips um, or methods for you to work on that yourselves. But anti-fatness is intensely destructive in our society, and it's not leading to better health outcomes. 
It's not leading to longer, more productive lives. So we need to let go of that and move past it and embrace the experiences of peoples in all types of bodies as valid. And going from there, uh, another thing I'm not going to do is take, I don't have any advertisers at the moment. Um, I have no idea if anyone's even going to listen to the show. I'm just doing it to do it. But in the future, let's say I gain an audience and a lot of people are interested in what I have to say. Um, I am not going to take ad money from like supplements or weight loss companies or other businesses that I don't think are offering ethical products. So I think some supplements are totally fine and I definitely take like a handful every day. Um, but I'm going to be very picky about what I promote and recommend on this platform. And I also have to say this giant caveat here, which is that there is no such thing as truly ethical behavior in capitalism, but we are stuck in the system and we have to participate in it basically to survive. So while we're thinking about the ways that we can bring about its end, or at least an evolution to something that works a lot better for a lot more people, we have to be a little bit realistic about that and say, okay, like it's okay to sell things that help people, right? But there's a lot of stuff being sold that isn't helping anybody. And that's something I want to be really mindful of because I don't want you wasting your money and I definitely don't want you spinning your wheels, having negative health outcomes just because some supplement you can buy on the internet that promises to do something that it absolutely cannot. Another thing I'm not going to do is offer prescriptive advice. So I'm not going to say this works for everybody. You should do this. What I'm going to say instead is that, hey, this works for some people and it may work for you. It may not work for you. Or this works for me personally. Or this works for somebody else I've worked with as a client or people I know. Because I'm not a medical provider. I was licensed as a trainer. I'm not currently licensed as a trainer because I haven't done that work for a few years now. I'm also not licensed as a therapist. So any advice I'm going to give is just based on my experience, my guest experience, rather than clinical medical advice. So and even if I were licensed in that way, I think it would be unethical to offer universal advice because everybody is different. Everybody has different needs, goals, and health concerns. So it wouldn't make sense for me to be a faceless person on the internet giving advice to listeners who I don't have any idea what their history, background, et cetera is and say, this is going to work for you. You should do this. Because there's just no way of me knowing that. I'm also really going to lean heavily on my own personal experiences and struggles. And I'm going to be as honest as possible if I think it's going to be helpful for others, if I think it's going to be topically appropriate. This isn't meant to be my memoirs, but there's a lot of things that I've been through and continue to go through that I think will be useful for 
y'all to hear about and just see how you might identify with these things and maybe how I've worked through them. Or So big question, where do I see things going? Um, so as I mentioned before, I don't know if anyone's going to find this interesting. I don't know if people are going to listen to this, but I don't really care. I'm doing this because it's something that interests me and I'm passionate about and I have a lot of experience in. And as I sit here writing out the scripts, like I find it really easy for me to just generate ideas and thoughts and build out these episodes because it's something I care about. And I think that when you care about something and you have a decent knowledge base in it, I think that that is a value to other people, even if it's, say, only a handful of people. And I also think that it's important to do things just for yourself. You know, I make music and I do that just for me. I don't make music to make an album and sort of release it on the internet and go on tour and all this stuff, which I suppose that might be fun, but I don't know. I, I had to accept that and just say, I'm going to make music for me because I like writing songs and I like the process of making the music. And that brings me a lot of satisfaction. And it's really nice when people are like, Oh, I loved that song, but it's not necessary. And it doesn't, really change any of the meaning behind it for me. So it's important to just do stuff for yourself with no expectations of trying to make it into anything. You don't need to monetize things. You don't need to turn your passions into careers. I think that that is all a function of capitalism that we are sort of sold this idea that just because we like something that we should be making money off of it. Because a lot of times what you find out is when you start making money from something you like, you actually end up liking it a lot less. And that's certainly been my experience with both fitness and I would say performing. One of the reasons why I don't really like doing drag anymore is sort of the culture of like working the room and taking tips just doesn't like work for me. And I actually enjoyed doing drag a lot more when I didn't collect any tips, didn't really leave the stage, just perform for the sake of it and never sort of thought of it as a way to make money. And I think it's great that people can make money performing. And I think people should make money for doing drag. It just didn't work for me and it didn't bring me any joy. So that's sort of why I have moved past that, in addition to a lot of other stuff, right? Um, and another thing I should say is that we're going to revisit topics periodically, and you should expect that my thoughts and my opinions are going to change because growth is healthy. Uh, I had a relationship with somebody once, not like a romantic relationship, but personal relationship with somebody once who was mad at me for some stuff, but basically they'd said like, oh, like you change your mind more than anyone I know. And they said it like it was a problem. And I think that that is very wrong because I think that changing your mind in the face of new information should be considered a strength and not a weakness. And growth is healthy. And so we need to have a growth mindset. 
and not sort of be stuck on this idea of, well, you said something five years ago. Now you're saying something the opposite and that must make you a hypocrite. No, hypocrisy is, you know, a real tangible thing, but changing your mind because of new evidence, new information is in fact a really healthy way to live. So I do have some big ideas that maybe we'll do down the line. So I have this dumb idea to go to like big gay events like Fair Week in P-Town or Puerto Verita or go on a gay cruise and do some sort of live audio blogging um, of that experience to bring back like all these things about what it says about body image and gay culture at large. Who knows if I'll end up doing that? That's just a big idea. I already have a list of like over 30 topics. Really, ultimately, I just want to have a place to keep having these conversations. A lot of these conversations I've been just having with myself internally, which, you know, feels a little bit psychotic at times, but like, let's be honest, most of us have this sort of internal monologue or dialogue in my case and it's good to have a place to have that to get it out of your system but also i want to just keep asking these critical questions and uh examining how things change over time uh and sort of tracking that and i think this would be great to sort of have the show sort of be a primary source for, you know, future anthropologists looking back at queer culture and sort of be able to use it as tracking, you know, the way things change over time Uh, or don't, we don't know, you know? Um, So thanks for tuning in. Uh, Go ahead and listen to the first few episodes. They are up now. And also feel free to follow the show on social media we are on Instagram and Instagram threads at Shit with more accounts to come. All right. Thanks for tuning in. I hope to talk to you soon and have some more bro thoughts. That's why we're leaving it up at the butt